Good morning. It's time for Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Holcraft. Awaken airs the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with the Executive Director of Real Presence Radio, Mark Holcraft, and his brother, Dr. Joe Holcraft, Professor and Director of the High Calling Program at the Avila Institute. Together with a mix of national and local personalities, connecting examples in church history, contemporary relevance, and lively witness of the saints, Mark and Joe will share how the Holy Spirit is working to awaken in all of us a deeper sense of what we are made for, a life in Christ. Welcome to Real Presence Radio's Awaken. Uh, we are here entering, I think, episode 10, and we're, we're with Joe Holcraft and myself, Mark Holcraft. Uh, your your uh, your host for the day. <laughs> We're excited to be with you on this Wednesday morning. Uh, thank you for walking with us and letting us walk with you. Uh, today we're kind of talking. Um, Joe, I want to go into like basketball announcing mode. We're talking the granddaddy, uh, yeah. granddaddy of them all, <laughs> yeah. uh, so to say. You know, uh, figuratively, of course. Uh, but as we continue to unfold intercessory and intercessory prayer, the power of intercessory prayer. Um, we look to the Queen of Intercession, Mary. And for any of you who have been regular listeners, maybe you're thinking, finally, <laughs> finally yeah, yeah, coming yeah. to the one that we've become so accustomed to asking for our intercession. Uh, so, Joe, it's good to hear from you. Uh, I look forward to the day when we get to see you again. How's it going there in Ohio? It is going well, Mark. And as always, it's great to be with you this morning. And especially to speak to uh, the, the granddaddy of them all, which, of course, is the Rose Bowl. So uh, very fitting, right, Mark, that we're talking about Mary. And, and certainly, uh, you know, we'll probably be touching upon the rosary um, or how she showers us with roses. So anyhow, very much looking forward to this discussion this morning. That was, that was a smooth connection, Joe. I'm loving yeah. that. <laughs> well, you know, and it is because, of course, the Rose Bowl is usually celebrated on, uh, that aims to celebrate it on the 1st of January, which, of course, is uh, Mary's feast day, as well as Mother Amen. of God. So there's there's layers, layers oh, to we're, this. We're making all sorts of connections right now, Mark. <laughs> hey, hey we're, we're in the groove. We're in the groove. Uh, so to stay in the groove, let's begin with prayer. And uh, a special with not just a shout out to Mary, but it is a key piece to our conversation today. And that for our prayer, let's pray at the Memorari, okay? Mm, sounds good. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly into thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy hear and answer me. Amen. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. So we're speaking to the or about the Queen of uh, Intercession, Mary, uh, as we not only ask for her to pray with us, but that we pray with Mary. And Joe, I mean, as I was anticipating uh, this episode, I was just thinking to myself, okay, I, it's it's a daunting task to try to summarize Mary in an hour, but but we're not going to try to summarize Mary in an hour. So I just want to get that off, get that out in front right away. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, this morning's show is not to try to cover her in an hour, but really just to offer some, some hopefully 
great sound bites and maybe even maybe not so great sound bites, but sound bites <laughs> as to Mary's role with intercession and and what she invites us into, Hanjo. Huh, yeah, yeah. And I think off the top, Mark, what needs to be said as we seek to simplify this for just not ourselves, but for our listening audience, is that God chose Mary <laughs> as Amen. a mediator. Mike dropped And so Mike should drop. we. <laughs> right? God chose Mary as a mediator. And and so should we. And this is what we see uh, in each of the four Gospels, Mark, right? Um, Matthew introduces us to Mary as the virgin who will conceive and bear a son, the son, of course, who is the God-man, Jesus Christ. Uh, Luke introduces us uh, to Mary in the Annunciation with the great angelic salutation uh, that comes to us from Luke chapter 1, verse 28, Hail, full of grace. And after a brief dialogue, what does Mary say? But how shall this be? Uh, Mary ultimately says yes to the vocation uh, to becoming the mother of God. John, uh, of course, introduces us to Mary at the wedding feast at Cana with her words, uh, they have no wine. And what's fascinating about this, Mark, is the last words recorded in sacred scripture are what? But Mary saying, do whatever he tells you. Right. So this is in part her mediation. Do whatever he tells you. Yes, Mary will go to the king on our behalf. Uh, but as she returns to us uh, after her conversation with Jesus, what does she always say but do whatever he tells you? And be assured, her mediation was important there in the Gospel of John and the Wedding Feast at Cana. Why? Because, well, her mediation, her intercession mediated divinity. Uh, so it's all to say, Mark, we are well served to place our petitions into the immaculate hands of Mary and allow uh, her to turn them over to her son. Um, God chose Mary as mediator, and so should we. You know, we tend to ask people, Mark, whom we perceive are close to Jesus to pray for us, right? Absolutely. Can we, can we find anyone closer to Mary? Right? Of course not. Huh? She who was with him for 30 years, 30... You know, it's a fascinating. We we have very little insight um, from the Gospels into those thirty years um, in sacred Scripture. Uh, what we do know is that our Lord was obedient to her, right? So a, a profound, profound relationship there between Mary and her Son, and so it is right to go to Mary. Uh, certainly, as we reflect into Mark what it means to go to Mary uh, in this, in this topic of, uh, on this topic of intercessory prayer. Well, Joel, and as you were given quick scriptural reference, uh, making known that it is God who initiated uh, this, this great motion of uh, really making it clear that if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, uh, certainly you can go straight to Jesus. Um, but, why not go to the one that I chose to introduce him to the world, you know, yeah. in that uh, introducing us to Mary and say, why not go to Mary? If, if, if in God's perfect plan and in God's providential plan, you know, and this is ultimate, I'm just summarizing or even saying it another way is what you just articulated. If in God's plan, he gives Jesus to the world through this lady, why wouldn't we go to receive this same son through this lady? 
Yes. Amen. You know, and, and so, and I refer to her as, as this lady, not in any irreverence or out of any irreverence, but actually it, it is a little bit with the next, a little extra awe and wonder, mm-hmm. you know, because um, it's this lady that God has chosen to accomplish so much uh, and to bring so much, not just in bringing the salvation of the world, Jesus, but accomplishing so much in bringing us to in turn to him as well. You yes. know, uh, he's constantly yeah. used, and the fathers used uh, Mary as this lady to make known his message for years, for years. You know, and I think for a lot of us that might be some somewhat familiar with maybe some Marian apparitions and different mm. things, because I think as for for a lot of our listeners, Joe, our mind goes there pretty quickly when we think sure. of Mary. Sure. You know, and of course, sure. either that or these visuals that shows up in some great works of art. Yeah, um, also yeah. attached to, if not, uh, some of these apparitions and some of these great mysteries, you know, as Mary assumed into heaven, uh, being one of them. And we're mm-hmm. coming up on that great feast very soon, yes, uh, yes. with the assumption of Mary. So there's these great depictions and visuals that we might have of Mary, whether it's in light of these things, and yet the message that accompanies within these apparitions that have been approved by the church uh, reflects that of it, it's echoing the same message that Jesus is continually referred to in scriptures, uh, messages of humility, of prayer, how to pray, uh, fasting, um, all these things that the church has echoed throughout the, the centuries, Joe. Um, but I think in particular, even this morning, as we talk about Mary, you know, and as we have in these first few episodes, it's always centered around prayer and, of course, intercession. And if there's one thing in regards to Mary— is she gives us a great blueprint on how to pray and how to enter into prayer. Yeah. You know, so, and this is, this is one of the things I'd like to dive into as we continue in this first portion here is, how does Mary teach us to pray, Joe? What does she show us? Well, she, before she does anything else, Mark, she surrenders, mm. right? She, she surrenders. You know, the, the, the great beatitude we've touched upon before, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Um, you know, poor in spirit, the Hebrew rendering of that is Anawim. The church fathers would call her the queen of the Anawim, right? Um, so, so she is the queen of surrender, but she's seeking understanding. I, I think something we've, we've touched upon before. We, we can rightfully call Mary the first theologian because as we talk about theology, Right in in its definition, what is it? But you know, fides corns intellectum, faith seeking understanding. There's Mary, as she receives this angelic salutation, and she's seeking understanding. How will you do this? Right, and and the Greek rendering, by the way, Mark of of that inquiry to the angel is, uh, <laughs> I I know you're going to do this. I just want to know how you're going to do this because I know not man. And of course, this is juxtaposed against the angel's greeting to Zechariah just verses earlier where there was a questioning, but it was filled with doubt, right? And he was made mute. With Mary, Luke wants us to see that there's a questioning, but in the truest sense of the word, right? To quest, to seek to understand. Mary is seeking to understand, but she's doing so out of this profound surrender, out of this profound spiritual poverty, if you will, you know, just that, that, that leaning into God. Okay. I know you're going to do this, but how, which of course, Mark highlights 
what we've talked about a great deal already, faith. She asks with faith, faith seeking understanding. So she teaches us how to better pray by being the queen of the Anawim, being the, the queen of the, the humble, if you will, and at the same time being filled with this, I dare say, Mark, robust faith, because when she responds finally with that, let it be to me, <laughs> um, in, in the Greek, it's um, not some passive, I'm here to do your will. It is a getting up robust, uh, robust response, right? She gets up. And she goes into the hill country to meet with um, her, her cousin Elizabeth to, to share of this great news, this, the importance of this encounter and what we have in the, in the uh, visitation. Now, what's interesting about that, Mark, as we are reflecting into uh, what Mary uh, teaches us and how to better pray, uh, uh, something to consider. You talked about lady. Um, when... When uh, Elizabeth hears the, the greeting of uh, Mary, right, or when, when she greets, rather, Mary, she says, why is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? That's a very important passage, Mark, because uh, not to, <laughs> to put, to put uh, too much emphasis on the Hebrew and Greek here. I know we're doing lots of translations, but the mother of my Lord is a rich, rich title, Mark. Um, in, in Jewish antiquity, uh, the, the Hebrew title there is Gabita, mother of my Lord. It also means great lady, right? Mm. Great lady. And, so, and there's something to be said. You, you mentioned this earlier, but this greeting is coming from Elizabeth. So it's, it's on one hand in, in earthly terms, human terms, it's lady to lady, right? Yes. And so I think yes. there's something even striking there by the nature of relationship. Yes, amen. So lady the lady, uh, <laughs> lady to one great lady, because deep, deep in uh, Jewish culture and way of life was the role uh, of the mother to the king. She had a very important role. Uh, we also see this in the story of Queen Esther, uh, a very important role in the kingdom of David. So uh, when Elizabeth calls Mary the great lady, Everyone who reads this in the first century says, oh, oh, time out. <laughs> do, do you mean the, the great lady as in Queen Esther and, and Queen Bathsheba? Uh, and the answer is yes. Yes, clearly, clearly uh, Luke wants us to see this. Why? Because ultimately Mary is the great lady, right? The, the mother to the king, the one who assumes a very important role in mediation in the kingdom of David, Mark. So in the Old Testament, of course, the, the Davidic kingdom and the kingdom of David was very, very important. The mother to, <laughs> the, mother to uh, the king always had a very important role. And of, of, again, of course, we see this in Queen Bathsheba, uh, with Queen Bathsheba. And so it's all to say, lady, great lady, these are very important titles and something that should not be lost on us as we seek to better understand, even if it be theologically, um, why Mary does have this role that she has in, in the Catholic Church. And again, she doesn't replace our Lord. She is simply the mother who takes our petitions and, and beautifully translate, uh, translates them uh, to her son as, as a beautiful petition uh, to uh, God the Father. Absolutely, Joe. Hey, Joe, and when you, I, I want to come back to when you first began discussing the, the importance in coming to know Mary. Um, what was Mary? Mary being the first theologian, uh, 
right? And uh, yes, how faith teaches. But um, and you hinted at this too. Um, it's so important. What do we do to foster our faith, to form our faith, to shape our faith, and to mold it? Um, we need to have some strong underpinnings. I want to come to uh, a piece of pop culture right now. There is a show that is, it's a phenomenal show. It's so creative. It's drawing huge uh, droves of fan, the fandom, you know, uh, The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. which of mm-hmm. course, for, if people who are not familiar, it's an offshoot of Star Wars, which I'm a fan of Star Wars. I see Eli's a fan too, because he just smirked. He just perked up. <laughs> no. uh, so uh, I'm a fan of Star Wars and the whole, what was trilogy. Now there's like nine of them and it's just out of control. Um, but then you got the offshoot, The Mandalorian. And it's a fascinating story. It's so creative. And ultimately, for those who are not familiar with it, it just picks up, picks up on the story of Yoda. Um, but interesting, they don't ever call, because it's baby Yoda, but they don't call him baby Yoda. You know, he's a little cute Yoda. Yoda's cute even at 900 years old. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, he's a baby, but they refer to him just as the child and it maintains this mystique surrounding who is this that is hmm. already seems to be exuding something very special, unique. Hmm. Um, and it fast forward from what we call, you know, what's referred to as the child baby Yoda into, uh, Yoda and the star Wars, uh, whole scenario. Yeah. Um, Yoda is like the wise one. But in it, you see these like little juggernauts. Because I remember growing up thinking this is a great parallel to the Christian life. And yet, in some ways, while it is, in some ways, it's actually not. Uh, it would be considered there's lots of moments of bad theology. Why do I bring that up? Because really, that is really a source of a lot of people's theology these days. And oh, this is a great uh, mm. synonymous point. Joe, we got to go on a break. I want to come back to this because I think I jumped the gun a little bit when I said uh, Mary's disposition because we want to get into that when she begins to ponder. But I think before we can dive into that pondering, I just want to do a little more setting up of there's a striking difference here. So stay with us when we return on Awaken. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more after this short coffee break. You're listening to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Welcome back to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now back to more lively, faith-filled conversation with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio's Awaken. Uh, We're very excited to be with you. If you're just joining us, you're with Dr. Joe Hallcraft and myself, Mark Hallcraft. We're talking intercessory prayer in particular about Mary, the uh, intercessor and praying with Mary. Uh, so the great intercessor, if you will, one who introduces us to prayer, teaches us how to pray, gives us great blueprints to pe- to pray. Um, and as I say that, we're about to uh, jump into how Mary shows us that. But first, Joe, I just want to pick up where we left off before the break, and that is sure. um, getting a sense of how pop culture has really 
you could say in some way, and maybe I'm sure it's more than pop culture, but infiltrated uh, how we can view uh, not just our, uh, how we can view and visualize God the Father, but in the spiritual life too, in this case, Mary and the, the mysteries that surround Mary uh, and how we allow ourselves in many ways to be formed and shaped, maybe even unknowingly with some of these concepts uh, that are mainstreamed in movies. Yeah. You know, I think of, I was referring to Yoda and Star Wars regarding the Mandalorian because uh, there's a mystique that centers around her. Another, um, I mean, it's a fascinating storyline. And for our uh, Marvel Universe fans, you know, to pick up on Thor, but in particular referring to our lady, Thor's mother. Um, she's another fascinating character because clearly mm. there's a lot of mystery that surrounds her, that kind of enshrouds her. And she's very wise, very gentle, um, very much uh, uh, one who stands uh, by her husband, of course, in the in the movie, in the in the the mythology of sure. Odin, you know, Odin's yeah. wife, and all this depiction. Really, we're seeing these like little pieces of what could be very Marian in, in nature. In that these are the these are the greatest qualities of some of these figures, but then it's put in a new context, and I think sometimes there's a tendency, whether it's. Uh, you know, our, our younger culture, young people right now, but it's not just young people. I think oftentimes in our effort to want to assimilate this Christian theology, this Catholic theology, and these great poignant figures of Catholic theology into culture, what we actually end up doing in the effort to enculturate is we in, we in turn water down the beauty and riches and depth of what faith sure. is revealed in these great figures like Mary. Sure. Yeah. Um, so if I just destroyed those who love Marvel comics, sorry. <laughs> but, uh, cause I'm a fan of it too. I mean, Joe, you know, I'm a fan of that. I used to be quoting movies all the time growing up, you know, Oh sure. of course to this day, I'm still sure. quoting Ghostbusters and all those things. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I just think it's important to acknowledge we, we can be duped and we can be easily, uh, reduced to think less of what scripture and what God, the father intends for us let alone for us to raise our minds and hearts to something new. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, as we ponder Mary, praying with Mary, I, I loved how you said, Joe, uh, to get us started, you know, Mary was one of the first theologians. She was probably the first theologian, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then, and then to take that further, um, in my mind anyway, a certain kind of contextualizing, as, as you did in the first uh, section here, Joe, um, how we lift her up as to start to understand how does she take on the disposition that she does that she can uh, that she can ponder, you know, and that's I think a, a word we really want to break open in this short segment here. Sure, sure, yeah, and and something, Mark, um, before we jump into this reflection on pondering, that might be worthwhile for a listening audience as you speak to Thor and uh, Yoda, is that. Uh, I would argue that ultimately what we have happening today in American popular culture is on one hand, yeah, it might be intentional to, you know, Satan might be using it to steer us away from truth. But on the other hand, there's an element behind it that is um, that is a portion of a truth. So, uh, you know, I, I did a radio series on movies and um, s- some of the movies were just, you know, spot on with respect to... Uh, their theology and how close it was to Christianity or or aspects of Catholicism. And other times, 
it you know it, it seemed to reach out or, or stretch at, but not quite come up with an exact definition. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and and it's all to say, Mark, that you have on one hand at times an intentional debunking that the, that the adversary is certainly uses, and we'll even get into that here in a little bit. But on the other hand, uh, I would suggest that certainly. And you have uh, you and I have talked about this before that Hollywood can even get caught up in the theodrama, if you will, yeah, where it yeah. begins to exercise aspects of the faith seeking understanding. And so I tend, Mark, to um, while recognizing the the debunking, as you call it, as very real, uh, I, I also look at at how drama. <laughs> Um, is but a reflection of the larger drama of salvation history, the good and the evil, the antagonist yeah. and the protagonist. Absolutely, yes. Um, and, and what does it call for, Mark, though? A, a pondering, right? So maybe that could be our, our, our segue. Um, and even more specifically, what Mary teaches us about pondering. And, and here we need to go to the, the Gospel of Luke because there's something to be said about Mary's pondering and certainly what we can learn about intercessory prayer. Uh, here, I'm thinking of Luke chapter 2, verses 16 to 19, where we read, And the shepherds went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the same which had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. Um, and of course, after this narrative, some 30 verses later, Luke records the episode in which Mary finds Jesus after he had been lost for three days. Earlier, Mark, I had touched upon, you know, we, we know a little right, about those 30 years. Um, the, the passage there at the end of the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 is where we find it. Yeah, um, and, and there 40. we read, yes, there we read uh, what uh, Jesus said to them. Of course, after losing him for three days, how is it that um, you sought me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying which he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in his heart. Right. So, So what's going on there? Well, what's important for us here to understand, Mark, is again, we're leaning more into our Greek and Hebrew than maybe uh, every other episode, if not all the episodes combined, <laughs> Mark, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, because I think this one is very, very rich. The Greek word for pondering is symbolane. Symbolane. It means to throw together, to compare and weigh facts, or even mark to piece together. So, you know, in the case of these of these narratives here, Mary is what? She's uh, thinking carefully. You know, she's she's weighing her vow of virginity against her calling to bear the Son of God. She's she's piecing together, if you will. She's she's weighing carefully. You know what it meant to 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 lose Jesus for for three days, but then yet have him say, "Why would why would you be seeking me anywhere else but here in the temple?" So, um, it's all to say, Mark, as we learn from Mary, what we are learning here is not only the importance of pondering, right? Which means uh, to piece together, to kind of weigh, reflect upon the surrounding events, 
But as you do, come to an understanding of maybe how God is working, which includes the practice of how we defeat the enemy. Uh, what do I mean here? Well, I just explained that the Greek symbolain um, means what? To throw together. It is in direct contrast with the Greek diabolain, which means to throw across or to scatter. Right? So uh, from diabolain, of course, we get the English word what? Diabolical. Right. right? We, all, we all know what that means. I don't have to explain that, uh, what that means. Um, it, it, all of this, Mark, is to say uh, Satan's function is to leave us scattered, is to leave us thrown asunder. It is to confuse us about everyday life. And we overcome the tempter's tactics by doing what? Piecing together, by pondering, making sense of, in God's grace, what God desires us to make sense of. So, in many cases, a particular mark to intercessory prayer, God inspires us to help others make sense of maybe difficult situations um, that we have been asked to pray for by sharing prayerful insights with those who have asked us to pray for them. And again, <laughs> we overcome Satan's diabolane, the diabolical, by imitating Mary's symbolane, right? By piecing together. And uh, this can be a means, again, to, to help others better understand. Uh, we were talking about the rosary earlier. How do you ponder with Mary? But by praying the rosary. You quite literally are pondering, meditating upon the Gospels. And, you know, in the book, Mark, I, I really encourage um, this because ultimately it could be, say, by meditating upon, you know, the luminous mystery of the proclamation of the Gospel of God that the good Lord and, and the sweet spirit might inspire us to maybe have a proclamation for the one whom we are praying for. So all very important when, be, when we begin, Mark, to reflect upon who Mary is, right, as it relates to her intercession. And, and at the same time, be reminded of this call we have in our prayer to be one who is constantly pondering, meditating, reflecting upon, weighing the facts, if you will, of the circumstances that, that surround us. So all, I think, very rich. Luke, Luke would have us think about this, no doubt, and uh, certainly worth reflecting upon. Well, enjoy. So we talk about Mary's pondering, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? What came first, ponder or her yes? <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and I'm speaking hmm. philosophically here. Sure. Um, and not to get too caught up, like, in those details, um, but in the context of... Uh, her disposition to ponder, to reflect deeply, as you said, to weigh, weighing out, um, to even enter into that pondering, there's a yes already woven into that. You know, and I don't think that's necessarily the yes that we always, you know, we refer to the fiat when we refer to Mary's yes, let it be done to me according to that word. Um, and that, that's the yes that I think in the spiritual life we often refer to regarding Mary. Um, but that's what I, I want to go with you next, Joe, is to discuss hmm. uh, as we go in, like, you know, what does her yes mean for us? Because again, this too teaches us, not only does it teach us how to pray, you know, the disposition to ponder the Lord, to ponder the Lord, you know, uh, elsewhere in the gospel, I think it is the gospel of John, 
Uh, John goes on to say, if we were to try to record all the miracles that Jesus performed, there would not be enough books in the world to record them all. Yeah, that you know, and so John, yeah, the in, the in a certain sense, just the the explosiveness of God, the magnanimity, mm. the the mm-hmm. bigness, if you will, the yeah. great miracle worker, all these things begin. We we don't know them without Mary's yes, which is mm. part of why we give Mary so much uh, attention. Uh, to yes. teach us, to show us, uh, to help reveal to us the great revelation of, of God's plan. Hmm. So as we look to Mary and this yes, how does this yes uh, teach us? You know, first to ponder, but even within that pondering, there's a kind of very internal yes. I can imagine her personal prayer life as a faithful Jewish young woman mm-hmm. um, was so beautifully formed. And of course, you give credit to Jesus' grandparents, Anne and Jochum, and Saints Anne and Jochum. Uh, have, have been receiving a lot of love, I think, in this year. Pope mm. Francis calling for mm. a, a great respect for our grandparents and a kind of yeah. a grandparents' day, and that was tied to Saints Anne and Jochum's yeah. uh, feast day. Um, so there's something to be said when it's it's in the family, right? A family mm. that prays together stays together. It's kind of mm-hmm. Father Peyton tied into the rosary that you had just shared about a moment ago. And so there's all these dots connecting, um, but ultimately the the and it's not to make it so vague, but the concept of yes has great ramifications. It's in in a positive way. Um, and uh, to, you you could say you know uh, today's yes makes tomorrow's yes easier. Uh, so what what is that about? Yeah, John? yeah. I, so this, we can go into so much here, but sure. There, there's two things that come to mind. Uh, you said today's yes, and uh, it was C.S. Lewis who um, said something to the effect of today's yes is the capture, the capture of a strategic point from which uh, months down the road, you might go on to victories you never dreamed of. Uh, <laughs> before tomorrow comes, uh, the, the, the tomorrow you desire, you have to first say yes today. Now, the reason why I focused on this with, in, in the book is because um, with respect to prayer and intercessory prayer, we desire so much, but we don't just pray that day or that and rather in that moment. You know, so the importance of praying the mem- memorari on the spot or, or, or praying the rosary as, um, as someone comes to us and asks for us to pray. But what's highlighted in this, Mark, is the need... Um, you talk about disposition, is to have that interior disposition to say yes, um, to have that interior attitude of faith, if you will, as John Paul II, uh, St. Pope John Paul the Great would say, the interior attitude of yes that Mary had, which is, which is to say, to be ready to act, but not yet in action. So Mary was disposed to say yes, and she was disposed to say yes because she was in union with God. I don't know if I've shared the story, Mark, and I know we're um, we're closing out on time the second session. But just to soundbite the story, uh, you know, growing up, you know, we we uh, used to <laughs> um, go to the this Olympic-sized swimming complex each and every day. Um, on one particular day, I very much remember the day when uh, our older brothers asked me to go to the high dive. I couldn't do it. I didn't have the courage. I didn't have the strength the fortissimo, as they say. (laughs) 
but so I dis- after I disappointed our older brother's mark the next day, I uh, showed up and I was ready to do it. Still couldn't do it. Um, there I was ready to go back down the diving board and uh, I-, I heard a voice jump. Right? Uh, who was it but our dad? And so without thinking twice, what did I do? I went back up the, the-, the steps of the ladder and I ran off the diving board. And of course, after doing like a one and a half belly flop, I landed into his arms. <laughs> what I was able to do before, Mark, I was what I wasn't able to do before. I could now do because I because someone who I trusted said jump, and that's what God the Father asks of us to be in relationship with Him, so that when He says jump, we might jump. The angel Gabriel uh, came to Mary and said jump, <laughs> right? And so she. Amen. Amen. And Joe, we do got to take a break, but more on relationship and a great saint who shows us what a powerful relationship with Mary can look like. Stay with us on Awaken. You've made the right choice to listen to Awaken. Stay with us. There's much more to come after this short break. Is there an event that you would like announced right here on the RPR Network? Please email the details at least two weeks in advance to heather at realpresenceradio.com. That's H-E-A-T-H-E-R at realpresenceradio.com. We can help spread the word about what's happening at your parish and in your diocese. Again, that email address is heather at realpresenceradio.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. Now, back to more Awaken, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio's Awaken. You're with Mark Holcraft and Dr. Joe Holcraft. Dr. Joe joining us from uh, the state of Ohio, and I'm here in studio in Fargo. We're excited to be with you this morning. We're talking about Mary, and not just her role in intercession, um, but giving a little backdrop you know, discussing Mary uh, first as a, just a, a very good theologian, if you will, and in the sense, just obedient, faithful and obedient, a model of both, um, and just using it as a platform then to better understand her disposition to ponder uh, what God was doing through her son, Jesus, and pondering all these things in her heart. Um, but now we go, and she teaches us to pray, uh, to in turn teach us how to ponder the mysteries of faith um, and how to make sense of it in our life. How can we live this out? We look to a great saint, Joe. Uh, this is one. Um, this is the saint, I would say, who really introduced me, even the words consecration, the idea of a consecration, let alone total consecration to Jesus through Mary. I'd never heard of it, didn't have a clue what it was, you know, up to this point in my life where I, when I had first made a consecration, if you will, um, it was, I understood devotion. I understood the idea even of a relationship with Mary, as far as I had heard the phrases, but then to really enter deeply into this idea of a real relationship with Mary. And in turn that, that would in turn deepen my relationship with Jesus is through this great saint of St. Louis de Montfort. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as you talk about, Mark, you know, growing up and reading about St. Louis de Montfort, I'll, um, I'll piggyback that a little bit because when I think about saints, there are certain saints in my life that when they were introduced to me, they were synonymous with certain things and it was almost, you know, sequential. 
the first saint, as far back as I can remember, and it might have been the old animated videos, I don't know, but uh, the first saint I really remember learning about was St. Francis of Assisi. And so, you know, creation and all of, uh, you know, all of the, the talk and discussion about you know, this saint who could talk with the animals. It was just synonymous with St. Francis of Assisi. I uh, then came into contact with, of course, St. Teresa of Calcutta, another saint synonymous with the poorest of the poor. Uh, the first major read about the saints I, I um, took up was the Book of Confessions, which detailed St. Augustine's mm, dramatic yeah. conversion, right? So, you know, this playboy to priest you know that's synonymous with augustine and so these these realities were synonymous with certain saints i would venture to guess mark alongside of course saint maximilian colby if if there's a marian saint out there it's saint louis de montfort right because of uh, his beautiful devotion uh, to our lady and i, I want to i do want to mark just maybe talk a little bit about this um as far as uh, biography pieces go uh, for our listeners, uh, St. Louis de Montfort was uh, born in France in the late 17th century. Um, and what's important also to note here, Mark, is that while we talk about St. Louis de Montfort's uh, love for Our Lady, if you were to talk with people around him, um, that was, speaking of synonymous, synonymous with his love for the poor. Right? He had a great yeah. love for the corporal works of mercy. And that can never be understated because sometimes, Mark, there's, when we talk about the saints, there's such an emphasis on certain aspects of who they are. Here I am talking about what saints are um, thought of with respect to the poor, the poor, sure. creation. What, what things you know? they were known for. Yeah. yeah, but all of those saints... And of course, St. Teresa of Calcutta is the poorest of the poor, but all of, the, all of these saints have a great love for the corporal works of mercy. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's very important. Now, as I say that, after his ordination, he fell in love with the call to preach and instruct the ignorant. Uh, ignorant excuse me. <laughs> but as he did, what was kind of welling up in his heart was the desire, as he was praying the rosary, the desire to... Um, to spread the message of Our Lady. Now, this was received by some and not by many others, in particular um, those who were involved with Jansenism for, uh, for, de for definition there. Um, Jansenism was a heresy uh, that was ripe in uh, the 17th and 18th century for France that claimed the teaching of predestination uh, that God actively bestows grace on some while actively withholding it from, um, from others. So, in other words, Mark, it claimed that only a few are saved and that everyone else is damned. Now, Father Louis de Montfort was preaching the message that true devotion to Mary is instrumental for the salvation of all souls, right? So enraged were the Jansenists, the French Jansenists, that they actually poisoned Father Louis de Montfort. And it was then while recovering from being poisoned that while reflecting upon his great devotion and, and love for Our Lady, um, did he pin the work, really the, the all-time Marian classic that I think you were referencing earlier, True Devotion to Mary. Indeed. Which inside of that, of course, he reflects upon what it means to have a Marian spirituality, uh, uh, um, uh, what it means to 
be consecrated to Mary to Jesus through Mary. Um, and so ultimately he would lay this out what this consecration looks like. And Mark, one thing that he focused on uh, was the importance to identifying the spirit of the world, right? So he would spend, uh, he spent 12 days in his writings focusing on one simple question. What is the spirit of the world? And then what is that? So there's a second question. What does that mean for you? And then there was a part two, knowledge of self, right? A part three, knowledge of Mary. And then ultimately a, a part four, knowledge of Jesus, right? Because Mary leads to Jesus. Um, St. Louis de Montfort's four-step consecration, really in the end, and I think this is what's important for our listening audience to appreciate when, when you start talking about St. Louis de Montfort and, his, and, and what it means to talk about a Marian spirituality, is that you cannot give what you do not have. The, the truth, Mark, that self-evangelization comes before evangelization of others. If we want to sanctify society, society, we must first sanctify self. You know, the spirit of the world is a denial of God's sovereignty and care, a, a direct denial of God that, you know, of God that manifests itself in sin and disobedience. So he, he wanted us to identify that. And then St. Louis de Montfort would go into this explanation about the importance of us reflecting about how we are attached to the world in ways. What we, you know, he would have, he would have us ask questions. What are you addicted to? And then out from there, he would have us reflect more specifically into the way of Mary and how ultimately the way of Mary would lead us to uh, the sacred heart of Jesus. So to, to come to understand St. Louis de Montfort, Mark, is yes, to understand that this was a man of of great devotion to the poor and to Our Lady. And as such, <laughs> if, if we are to ever grab a hold of what it means to uh, to, to have a heart for the poor, he, he would draw our attention to Our Lady, right? And say, as, as you draw closer to, to Mary, she who was the queen of the Anawim, the queen of the poor, you will ultimately be drawn closer to the heart, uh, the, to the sacred heart of Christ. Joe, I think one of the things we see in St. Louis de Montfort is a great embodiment of the very thing we we're talking about regarding Mary. You know, this, this true devotion to Jesus through Mary that Louis de Montfort offers really is, it's, it's, uh, this is a great example of one, first, this disposition. You talked about, you know, earlier in our show this morning, how Mary uh, was a theologian. Um, she was formed in her faith. Uh, and so before we start to take a look, before we took a look at her in pondering these things and deeply reflecting and weighing these things out, um, not maybe not so much for Mary, but she gives a great example for us of in that first of the four steps of true devotion uh, to denounce the spirit of the world, uh, Louis de Montfort says. And so to do that, we, in, sense, in a sense, we need to hearken back to what does the faith tell us? What are the things we need to strip ourselves from or let go of mm. in this mm-hmm. world so yes. that we can really engage and ponder rightfully so, then, you know, uh, the, the part two of to know yourself, knowledge yeah. of self, and then yeah. to come to a greater awareness of where you are at, 
What have you come to know about yourself? Where do you stand before God? Then, as you said, part three, to ponder Mary, and then, and then to ponder Jesus. Louis de Montfort gives us a great sampling of what that can practically, very practically look like, whereas sometimes it can seem almost mysterious or, okay, so Mary pondered these things, she reflected, where do we even begin with that? Well, Louis de Montfort gives us a great, in a certain sense, formula. But it's not yeah. the only. It's, it's not the only way to go about it. One and two, certainly he wasn't the only great saint to have this great devotion. You know, Joe, I know you have a particular devotion to love, and we already spoke, spoke about this saint, Maximilian Kolbe, yeah. who also fostered great devotion to Mary through his Militia Immaculata. Uh, of course, we see one of the great Marian saints in the Catholic tradition is Bernard of Clairvaux. Mm. You know, mm. and then of the more recent. Uh, what's grown to be, you know, and popularized and not in any negative way. It's actually a great thing in Marian devotion and in uh, to consecrate oneself to Jesus, to Mary, was Father Michael Gately's uh, recent book, uh, mm. where he points to a few different saints. Yeah. You know, Louis de Montfort, Maximilian Colby, John Paul II, and I think Mother Teresa or Therese of Lisieux. Correct. Yes, correct. Um, so he he's referencing them. So there's there's so many powerful saints and these are just the well-known ones. You know, Joe, and all the saints that we've discussed so far on Awaken, I don't, I don't know of one saint that did not have, at minimum, a deep devotion to Mary. Um, it, it, it's phenomenal. And it's actually something I love learning more about as I read about the saints. And that's an interesting uh, point, Mark, because... Uh, I have been asked the question uh, on more than one occasion, uh, what is the, the golden thread that brings together all the saints? Uh, well, um, what we just spoke to with respect to St. Louis de Mumford, a heart for the poor. All saints have a heart for the poor, right? Now, that poor has many faces, uh, and, and those faces come in the form of the 14 corporal and spiritual works of mercy. We must remember it's never just about the material poor, but also the spiritually poor. It's never just about the spiritual poor, but also the material poor, right? Uh, one, when you come to understand the other, uh, once they're seen in light of each other, help us to better understand what it means to be a better Christian, better Catholic, and how we're called to pursue those. Uh, the other mark is a devotion to Our Lady. Um, you read the life of any saint, and there you'll find uh, Mary. <laughs> It's so it's just a common denominator. So to have a love for the poor and to have a love for Mary. Um, and yes, St. Louis de Montfort does highlight this, um, especially in his um, in his great battle cry. I am totally yours was his was his mantra. I am totally yours. Of course, this is what uh, St. Pope John Paul the Great put on his papal crest. Right. Uh, I am, yes, totus mm. tuus. Uh, I am all yours. Right. So uh, this this is certainly true of of the saints found in Father Michael Gately's Thirty Three Days to Morning Glory. But uh, uh, glory. But as you reference for sure, Mark. Yeah. I mean, you can find them in every saint. And and this shouldn't again another point that shouldn't be understated because when you do read the lives of the saints, you come to appreciate in the end. What makes you know what makes them a saint? Which, for all of our talk to, about consecration, Mark, we have to remember uh, this is a word 
that means uh, to be set apart. The, the Greek there uh, from the New Testament is, is hagiazo, right? To, to be set apart, sanctified, to be set apart. Certainly this is what happens in baptism, but a Marian consecration, it really is a consecration that renews our baptismal vows to become the person that, as Matthew Kelly likes to say, or huh, to, be, to become the best version of who we are called to be. Right, uh, right. This, in the, this, is, this is the end game, that this would, in, in, in the end, glorify God. Well, and I think, Joe, it's such an important piece to hit on for all kinds of reasons, but that the true devotion and this, the consecration, it really is, um, it's, it's re, uh, re-emphasizing, re-offering, and re-engaging the baptismal, baptismal promises, you know, for those of us baptized as a baby, which is in most of us, it's re-engaging that, you know, of mm-hmm. course we re-engaged it in a certain way at confirmation when we received the sacrament of confirmation, which again, for many of us, uh, well, here in the Diocese of Fargo, it's in elementary school, uh, third, fourth grade. But then for so many of our listeners, you're anywhere from third or fourth grade till the junior, senior year in high school, if they didn't go through RCIA, RCIA later in life. Um, again, we we offer these baptismal promises, but then through this consecration, as you said, so it ties right into the faith. You know, this is my point in these consecration, in particular, the true devotion to Jesus through Mary, St. Louis de Montfort. Um, it, it really, it ties right into, and it flows beautifully, not just in the face, one might ask Joe, well, why would I do that? Why would I need to do that? Can I just continue? Can I just go to Mass on Sunday? Can I do these things? Yes, of course we can do it. So where's the advantage in doing such a prayer like consecrating ourselves to Jesus through Mary? To which what, what we offer there is simply we are called to imitate Christ. Who better imitated Christ than his own mother? Who better, I mean, who taught him how to be faithful and obedient his mother and father. And so we look to not just Mary, but then to Joseph too. Hmm. Um, why, and so the, what I often say is I answer the question with a question, why wouldn't you, when we consider uh, what it reflects? Yeah. You know, I think the idea is, is, well, that just sounds like more. It's like, yes, on one hand, it could seem like more, but when you're just entering more fully into a life in Christ, you start to see that it's not enough almost. <laughs> it's, mm. it's a humbling thing. Joe, we have just over 30 seconds. Any final words for our listeners? On the cross, Jesus gave us his mother. Behold <laughs> the woman, she who is your mother. Uh, this is a great invitation, Mark, to each and every Christian and, and each and every Catholic uh, to participate uh, to participate more fully in, in the church that is the family of God. And this ought to be what lies, you know, at the heart of this program, that that God is is offering to us his mother as a great gift. And this is an invitation we off, we have to respond to. We ought to respond to. Amen to that, Joe. Thank you for joining us on this morning's edition of Awaken. God bless you. This has been Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Awaken comes to you every second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. 
Want to listen to the show again? You can find the podcast any time of the day or night on our website at realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or on the Real Presence Radio app in the podcast section. Again, that's realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or in the free Real Presence Radio app. Be sure to join us again next time for more Awaken with Mark and Dr. Joe Hullcraft.